Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, my name is Silas. I'm the youth director here. And to give you a little glimpse into my life, this morning I walked into church. I was having a great morning. And then one of my high school students got here at the church, and he asked if I was nervous. And I was like, of course I'm nervous, you know? And he said, don't worry. We're all judging you. So that, that's a little glimpse into what my life looks like, the, the life of Silas, the youth director. Um, but I get to be here uh, preaching today for you all. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Psalm 59. We're going to be reading from there. This psalm is written by David, uh, who later becomes king, but during the time when he was actually being hunted by Saul. Um, or, or it's rather David reflecting on this time when he was being hunted by Saul. Saul was trying to have David killed. Um, but Saul was the first king of Israel. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Um, and he was anointed as the first king, but he became jealous and felt threatened by David because the Israelites began to make more of David than of Saul. So he's becoming jealous of David. Um, but David, he, he was a small boy, but we all know that he was a mighty warrior um, because he had the Spirit of God with him. But Saul began to realize that his reign as king was not safe as long as David was around. And so da Saul tries to have David killed. So here we are in Psalm 59. David is reflecting on this time when he is on the run as Saul is trying to kill him. So let's read together in Psalm 59. Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who work evil and save me from bloodthirsty men. For behold, they lie in wait for my life. Fierce men stir up strife against me. For no transgression or sin of mine, O Lord, for no fault of mine, they run and make ready. Awake, come to meet me and see. You, Lord God of hosts, are God of Israel. Rouse yourself to punish all the nations. Spare none of those who treacherously plot evil. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. There they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips, for who, they think, will hear us. But you, O Lord, laugh at them. You hold all the nations in derision. O my strength, I will watch for you. For you, O God, are my fortress. My God, in his steadfast love, will meet me. God will let me look in triumph on my enemies. Kill them not, lest my people forget. Make them totter by your power and bring them down, O Lord, our shield. For the sin of their mouths, the word of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. For the cursing and lies that they utter, consume them in wrath. Consume them till they are no more, that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. Each evening they come back, howling like dogs and prowling about the city. They wander about for food and growl if they do not get their fill. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning, for you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. O oh, my strength, I will sing praises to you, for you, O oh God, are my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are our fortress. Um, you, you show us steadfast love. You are our strength in the midst of a world that is chaotic and, and so often unsafe and scary. Um, 
We pray that you would draw us closer to you this morning, the one who is with us in the midst of a world and lives that are broken. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can imagine this with me. It was the spring of 2011, okay? It was a beautiful day outside. The sun is shining. There's this very nice breeze. The sky is blue. A perfect day, okay? But I was sitting inside a dark and gloomy, cold, windowless doctor's office. I was sitting there, and with my arm, it was swelling up, and my mom was with me, and I was crying out to my mom, just get the nurse, mom, get the nurse. That was me sitting inside. My, it was complete chaos, okay? My world was complete chaos. I, I honestly thought that this might be the last day of my life, the last couple minutes of my life right here in this doctor's office, okay? I was feeling dizzy. I was holding my arm, wondering if I could still breathe. Just everything was chaos. And I was wondering, like, Mom, why aren't you sprinting out the room to get help right now? Like, do you care about me? Do you care about my safety? That was little 10-year-old me thinking that. Because I was anything. I felt anything but safe right then. I felt like I was on death's doorstep. But my mom just continued to sit there and hug me and hold me. And about 10 minutes later, the doctor finally comes in the room and uh, looked at my arm and then informed me that my allergy test showed that I was allergic to cats, dogs, and dust. And that's all it was. But finally, with the doctor in the room, I finally felt a little bit more safe. Even though I was allergic, found out I was allergic to these things, I finally felt a little more safe. But, you know, I think much of our lives uh, actually revolves around safety. You know, beginning when we're little babies, babies cry when they need something, when they need water or food, when they need to sleep. They're calling out for someone or something to meet their needs, you know, to hold them and keep them alive and safe. I remember when I was younger, I don't know how many of you maybe have this experience, but we had a basement and I would go downstairs to the basement to get a snack or a game or something. And then on the way back upstairs, I would either sprint upstairs as fast as I could, or I would walk backwards, keeping my eye on the darkness, making sure there was no, like, monster following me up the stairs. And finally, if I could just burst through the the top doorway, I would be safe. Um, But I'm sure that now, as as we get older, right, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of you wish that pretend monsters in the basement were, like, the most dangerous or scary things in your life. Uh, but now you have to, you have to worry about uh, your health and, and the health of those around you, right? You have to worry about making money to take care of yourself and, and the ones you love. Uh, we, we all worry about our reputation and what others think about us because we, we think that all these things keep us safe, right? So we, so we worry about all those things. A big part of being human means constantly figuring out how we can just be safe. How can we just be safe? protected from disease and sickness, financially secure and on good terms with others. How can we just be safe? In Psalm 59, David is far from safe, right? Saul is after him, trying to have him killed, but David still calls out to God and he calls him his refuge and his fortress and his strength. And we're going to see from this passage today that because Jesus is our refuge, he is actually making us safe. Because Jesus is our refuge, he is making us safe. And we're going to see this in a couple different ways. The first way that Jesus is making us safe is by protecting us. Okay, Right from, right from the start, David cries out uh, to God, or he cries out multiple times, right? If you look in verses 1 and 2, and he says, Deliver me from my enemies, O my God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. And then he says, Deliver me and save me. Right? He calls out to God, Deliver me, protect me. 
deliver me, save me. And David cries out to God because his life is in danger, right? right? Like kind of what, we talk, what we're talking about. In verses 3 and 4, David, David makes note that he has done nothing wrong, right? But these men lie in wait for his life. David is not safe, and he's crying out to God to protect him. And David, the thing is, David knows that God can protect him. And we see this because in the psalm, David describes God as the all-powerful one, right? In verse 5, David calls God the God of Israel. He realizes that God is the one who is in control of Israel. But then he moves on past that, not just Israel, but then in verse 8, David says, God holds all nations in derision. God has his power over all the nations. And then in verse 13, David says that God rules over Jacob to the ends of the earth. David is sure that God is the one who, who is in control, who, who holds his safety. And we even see this in verses 9 and 11, 16 and 17. David describes God as some sort of stronghold, a place of protection or refuge or strength. In the midst of unsafety in David's life, David is sure of God protecting him. But I don't think this is, this is often like the, the case for us, right? Like how, how can we become sure of this in our own lives when we so often feel unsafe? How can we be sure that God is our refuge, is our strength? And I, I would bet that not, not actually many of you have actually been chased by a jealous king, right? A jealous, murderous king. I haven't. I've only seen that in movies before. But I think we can all connect with David a little bit when he talks about others stirring up strife against him, although he has done nothing wrong. I'm sure a lot of you have strife in your life um, out of your control because of others and what they have done. You know, David mentions that these people who are against him are prideful and they're liars and they use their words to tear down. Throughout the psalm, he mentions these things. David describes them as dogs who prowl about the city, who are just looking for trouble. We can all agree with David that danger is often near and it's oftentimes out of our control. So how can we be sure, like David, that God is protecting us when our health or the health of someone we love is declining and there doesn't seem to be any improvement inside of our control? What does it mean that God protects us when we are ostracized or cast out simply because of who we are, because others have chosen not to like us or they disagree with us? How can we believe that God protects us when we have to deal with the everyday agony of just working a job that we hate? or feeling alone with those who, even with those who are closest to us, or just feeling exhausted after a day of trying to raise kids and run errands and do chores? How can we be sure that God is protecting us in the midst of our completely mundane, boring, difficult, broken lives? And to be honest, I don't have uh, the answer for you because I'm not completely sure. I'm not sure how we can truly know that God is our refuge in, prote- in protecting us in the midst of so much unsafety and uncertainty. But I do think that David, in this psalm, he shows us a good practice here. If you look at verse 16, David, David gives us the reason for his trust in God's protection and refuge. In verse 16, David says, But I will sing of your strength, I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. And he says, For, or rather, because you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. The, the reason that David gives for trusting in, in God's protection over him is because God has been to him a fortress and a refuge in the day of his distress. David is talking in past tense here, right? He's reflecting on how God has protected him, how, how God has been 
a refuge and a fortress for him. David says that the reason he knows that God is protecting him is because he can look at his life and recall how God has protected him in the days of his distress. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot of close friends in high school. Um, really, really, a lot of my life going up to college didn't have a lot of close friends. But it's something I desperately desired. I really desired to have close friends and have community. Um, you know, much of my, my high school years, really, I, I spent feeling pretty lonely. Um, and, and, like, I didn't have a safe place outside of my family to be known and loved. Um, but during my years in college, I found such great community. I, I found such great friends who were a safe space for me, a place where I felt known and loved and seen. But then just recently, in the past couple of years, uh, we, we've all moved away. You know, Cass and I moved to New Jersey. Some of my other friends stayed in Arizona. Some of them went to Washington and different places. Um, and, and although Cass and I, like, we have one another, it's been kind of hard for both of us just to adjust and be like, will we find this community again? Are we going to find such great community like we had in Arizona again? But as I remember how God has provided community, community and safe spaces for me throughout the 22 years of my life, uh, often, most times, in the most surprising places, I begin to be able to sing along with David of God's strength, of his steadfast love in the morning, because I can remember how God has provided for me, even in the midst of a season where I'm, I'm wondering, will God do it? It's helpful to remember what God has done, just, just like David has done. He's remembering how God has been a refuge for him, how God has been his strength. And in the midst of one, a dangerous and scary season in his life, he can, he can be a little bit more sure of God's refuge and protection for him. So because Jesus is our refuge, he is protecting us, right? That is one way that he's making us safe. And we can start out by reflecting on how God has protected us and how he's been a refuge to us. In Jesus' life, he was a safe space for others, right? He was a safe space for those who were cast out. He was a safe space for those who were burdened by disease and sickness and even those nearing death. Jesus was a safe space for all who trusted in him. And the good news is Jesus has not changed. He has not changed. So in the midst of our unsafety, let's start out by looking to our friend Jesus and recounting the ways he has protected us, he has protected you, and been a safe space for you and those around you. And then maybe we will all be able to begin to sing along with David of God's strength, his refuge, and his steadfast love. But also as we think about Jesus and how he has, is and has been a safe space for, all, for a lot of people, right? For people who trust in him and love him and who he loves. I think we can also be reminded of how often we are not a safe space for others around us. Oftentimes we're not a safe space. You know, we just talked about how God is making us safe by protecting us. But God is also making us safe by changing us. He's changing us. So that we might be a safe space for others. God is literally changing us so that we might be a safe space for others. When we read the opening lines of Psalm 59, David says, deliver me from my enemies, right? And the enemies he's talking about, they're, they're not enemies from a foreign land or another nation or another tribe or people, but the enemies he's talking about are his Israelite brothers and sisters who are trying to have him killed. It's, it's, the, it's the family of God. His enemies that he names are people who, who are part of God's family, part of his people. I mean, this is Saul, right? He's a, he's a man from the tribe of Benjamin. He's an Israelite who's trying to have David killed. And I think this should be a wake-up call to us because uh, just because we know Jesus and we're part of his church, and we're part of his family, 
does not automatically mean that we are a safe space for others. So as we look at the psalm, we need to be able to look inwardly at ourselves and at the church and at our church family to realize how we have been like prideful dogs who, who, run around, who prowl around the city, stirring up strife for others instead of steadfast love and refuge. In verse 7, David says, if you look at verse 7, David says that they, there they are, bellowing with their mouths, with swords in their lips. And as we read this line, I think we can, we can think, do the words that you use, do the words that we use, the things that you say often hurt others, are they words that embrace broken people? Or are they words that push them away? And then similarly, again, David goes on to talk about uh, the words we use in our mouth and what comes out of our mouths. He says in verse 12, For the sin of their mouths, the words of their lips, let them be trapped in their pride. Do our words often offer a gracious ear? Or do they proclaim ourselves better than others in pride? And not, I'm not just talking about individually, like your words, but also we, we need to think about uh, the words of the church, like us collectively. And something I've noticed in the church and that we have a tendency to do is to use our words or official statements of doctrine or theology to make it known to the world that we are know-it-alls, that we have all the answers, that we are almost as big as God and know everything that God knows. So oftentimes in pride, we give answers or quick fixes to problems and broken people because we think we know what's best in every situation. Instead of just sitting with problems and broken people and trying to listen and understand how we are like them, how we are all like in need of something greater than ourselves. We can trade being a safe space of solidarity and empathy for quick answers and easy fixes given out of pride. Instead of being a safe space, we are often like Saul, hunting others down so that we might be seen as great and powerful. Right? The whole reason Saul was chasing David was because David was a threat to who Saul was, to his power. And oftentimes we can, we can be like him. So when we ask the question of ourselves, are we safe? Are you safe? We, we don't just ask that question to ask it to say, are we protected? But actually, are we a safe space? Are we a safe people for others? And sadly, the answer is oftentimes no, right? In differences, we oftentimes look down on others. In the name of truth, which is good, truth is good, but oftentimes in the name of truth, truth, we are often puffed up in pride and we forget grace, humility, and solidarity. And in hunger and insecurity, we look to gain power at the expense of others. We as individuals and as the church, the body of Jesus have actually failed to embody the safeness of Jesus. But Jesus calls us to be a safe space for others. And he is actually changing us and making us safe. He's making us a safe space. In verse 13, David asks God to consume his enemies until they are no more. And then he gives the reason for that. He says, consume his enemies so that they are no more, so that they may know that God rules over Jacob to the end of the earth. You know, because we are oftentimes the enemy to others and to God, God will consume us so that we are enemies no more. He will consume us so that we are enemies no more. And instead, we will be able to rest in the safety of God's rule to the ends of the earth. 
It's Jesus who has made us enemies no more and changes us by his spirit to move out of the safety of God's rule and his steadfast love. And we can move out of that in his in steadfast love and safety to others. So has, as, as we just talked about reflecting, right? We talked about how David shows us his practice to reflect on how God has been a safe space for us. Think right now, has God, has Jesus been a safe space for you? Well, he is also changing you so that you might be a safe, humble, and filling place for others by his spirit. So kind of going back to 2022 and all these changes happening in Cass and I's life, you know, it was full of a lot of excitement and new beginnings, but it was also scary and full of a lot of doubt with all these things changing around us, right? I graduated the previous December, so 2021, I graduated, and I, I started a new job. I moved into a new place um, in Arizona. Cass was finishing up her last semester at school and was getting ready to graduate, and she was working, and she was volunteering with a couple different ministries, um, and we were getting ready for our wedding, and we were, we were so excited. We were ready to just be married, because there was a lot of stress around that, too, just preparing a wedding and and I probably wasn't easy to plan a wedding with. So it was, there was just a lot of chaos and excitement, but also a lot of, a lot of scariness and, and a lot of time of doubt. You know, we were, we were also preparing to move across the country uh, weeks after Cass graduates. Um, and and we, were, we were preparing for all these things, all these things that were changing. It was a super exciting time, right? But also a super scary time because we both needed to figure out what it actually meant to be an adult. And I'm still figuring that out. Yeah. <laughs> so it was super exciting, but also super scary. You know, a time where I often felt unsafe because of all the change and uncertainty. But in the midst of danger and uncertainty, I had Cass with me, who was laughing with me, oftentimes crying with me. She was holding me, growing with me, and loving me. And in a way, as I think about, as I reflect on that time in our life, I, it, it was Cass protecting me, not because she could actually change the situation that we were in. She couldn't change, she couldn't stop the change, right? She couldn't give me all the answers to my uncertainty and scariness. But she was protecting me simply because she chose to be with me in the midst of it. So when we look at verses 14 through 17, as David wraps up the psalm, we see David making a comparison between himself and his enemies, okay? First he, noticed, first he notes that his enemies are like dogs that prowl about the city and they wander about for food and they're never full because every evening they come back. So they're never full. They're always wandering. They don't, they don't have a place to rest. They don't have a place to rest and just be. They don't have a shelter to find a home in. But David, in, in verse 16, he, he wakes up satisfied, right? He says, but I will sing of your strength I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. David wakes up satisfied by the steadfast love of God. He has a fortress to dwell in. Or, or rather, a better way to put it is, God is his fortress who dwells with him. It's not that the world or David's life has become any more safe. Just like it's not like the change in our lives or the uncertainty or the scariness will necessarily go away or become any more safe. But in the midst of danger and scariness, in the midst of the danger and scariness in David's life, he has God with him. Our world, your world, your life may not become any more safe. 
your health and the health of your loved ones may continue to decline. You may never have enough money to actually feel secure. Your relationships with friends and family, they might still be rocky. They will still be rocky. But Jesus, he chooses to be with you in the midst of it. This is the way Jesus protects us and keeps us safe, by being with us in the midst of uncertainty and scariness and unsafeness. And as we dwell with Jesus, he will teach us the steadfast love of God and change us into a safe space for others. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for being with us. We thank you for being near, near uh, to us than anyone or anything else can. We thank you for being our safety, our refuge, our strength, our fortress. We thank you for giving us a place to dwell in the midst of lives that are broken and chaotic and scary and always changing. We thank you for this. And we pray that you would also change us to be a people who are safe for others. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to move into a time of confession.